0: and welcome to the Advice Not Given podcast. Each week, we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between two friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for, but wish you did. We're your hosts, Kelly Artis and Clearwood of Spoke Gurus, and this is Advice Not
1: Everybody and welcome back to this episode of the Advice Not Given podcast. We've been waiting a long time for this episode. And in the words of David, it's our turn to take a selfish. We're gonna talk about something (laughs) we want to talk about today, and that is Shits Creek. And so we want to give you a fair warning if you have not seen the show or if you're on your way through it and haven't finished, there will be spoilers. Let me repeat that: there will be spoilers. We're talking about the series as a whole. And really, we want to take a look at it from the angle of how do we see an overlay of military life within the context of the show Shits Creek with the characters, with the places, with the events. And so we just decided we're going to go for it. And again, it keeps us out of talking about other things right now that are <laughs> extremely heated and extremely uh, draining. So this is another effort uh, on our part to just bring some fun and, um, just something we wanted to talk about. So Kelly, I, thoughts? I love this show so much. I'm
0: so sad it's over. And I think it's going to be one of those that I go back to over and over again and binge and just have it on as white noise in the background. First of all, the writing is hysterical. Like it is one of the best written shows I've seen in a very long time. So like, I appreciate that. I love overlaying the characters onto people that I actually know in real life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am so enamored by how deep all of the characters are. And like, I know we talked about this one week, but I remember, um, or when they did the recap show, there's like a special you guys on Netflix. If you haven't seen that yet, go watch it where they talk about the making of and everything. They did like weeks and weeks and weeks of character study before they even started like writing the script. Like they, but, and being personality junkies as we are. Um, I really appreciate that because it's like, you got to know who these people are to be able to portray them so well. And I think that's why the show resonated with so many people because they were so Mm well-rounded and so deep. Um, each of those people seem like real people. Like it seemed more like a documentary than it did a sitcom. So yeah. And we, and the more we talk about it, we drop little references a lot um, when we're talking and just in our, our episodes and mostly probably our bonus episodes that you can find on Patreon.
1: And in our text messages, we're constantly sending quotes and gifts. So yeah, but I think
0: there's so much, I think a lot of the struggles That they go through in these six seasons, you know, which is a glimpse of their life, you know, this only what transpires over a couple of years for them. Um, They're very relatable challenges, specifically for for those of us living the military lifestyle. So, yeah, let's jump in. Yeah.
1: So I'll start with kind of maybe a broader look, and I think we take a look first just at this whole idea. Many of you may know of the TV trope, Fish Out of Water, which is a character that's placed in a situation completely unfamiliar to them, maybe not even by their own choosing, and through humor and tension, a new life is created as the character either learns to adapt in the new place or... Doesn't adapt in the new place, which we kind of see go back and forth throughout the the scope of the whole show. And so, you know, we all know the the Rose family, incredibly wealthy. Within a day, like not only do they lose their wealth, they lose their home, and they have to go find another place to live. And this place is Shit's Creek, a small town that Johnny owns. And they get there, and it's like, OMG! Like, what what have we done? Where are we? And you know, then six episodes or six uh seasons are mined out of this whole idea of a fish out of water.
0: <laughs> and like a place he bought as a joke. Can we just yes. like how many it- have we talked about a place or maybe a duty station? We're like, oh, I hope you never get sent there. <laughs> and then someday, um, there's there
1: are orders to that place. But I think no matter if it's a desirable place or undesirable, we do find ourselves in that situation mm-hmm. every time we move. I mean, we arrive at places that we have probably never visited. We don't even know the lay of the land. We don't know where to go to the grocery store. Where to get our haircut you know so like we are thrust into that same exact situation and i think it's interesting when you look at the rose family Johnny Moira Alexis David and kind of see how each of them begin that process of adapting or not adapting i think there's some parallels and so for me i see Johnny as um maybe the service member who first you know first thing when he arrives he's looking to get the family settled He's looking to make his money back. So his profession, his professional status, quote, getting to work is at the top of his priority list. I think with Moira, we see her immediately both leaning into who she already knows she is, but also searching out her new identity. Um, Throughout the first few seasons, you see her kind of leaning into this dramatic role and uh, this stage former popular actress uh where can i fit in in this new tiny town with david and Alexis? same thing so what are your thoughts about well, I that think,
0: so yeah i think moira had like an existential crisis right like the first episode where she's screaming and gathering up all her wigs and hiding
1: in the closet <laughs> um, i've hidden in a yeah. closet and cried myself
0: <laughs> there's like a and then there's but then that kind of fades into denial Um, or resistance maybe like I've been there too. um, not with specific duty stations necessarily. I'm going to, I'm going to like go all the way back to just like my introduction to being a part of this lifestyle, even like, no, I don't need that. I don't need these people. I don't want anything to do with this, you know? And then like thinking that I could just go at my own, go at my own way, like, you know, not rely on anybody, not be really particularly like not trying to assimilate, right? (laughs) Like at all. Um, and you see it kind of wears her down over time as she starts to learn and soften a bit and realize that she doesn't have to sacrifice who she is to then um, have relationships with people outside of the four of them and out, even even to have relationships with her own family. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't think she really knew her kids. You know what I mean? I don't think either one of them really did. Um, yeah. Well, she, I love she that.
1: doesn't know Alexis's middle name. <laughs> she has to keep <laughs> back it. Or that she- <laughs> they were carrying around somebody else's picture in his wallet yeah. for
0: all those years <laughs> her graduation photo. Yeah, so they um but I also think what was cool is the fact that they were in this place that they were unfamiliar with and kind of going through this family crisis of sorts. Um it drove them all together. They realized like okay, this is their team, yeah. right? They've got it they got to be on the same team. You say that a lot. Um and they had to kind of learn each other's strengths and learn what to lean into. Like David had like $5,000 squirreled away or something. And like, and the reason they were there is because it was David's town, right? So they were kind of relying on him. And, you know, here's Johnny trying to find the new job, which that's, that's, that's a fun, that's a fun angle too. Like his talents weren't really like appreciated and he couldn't sell things to people who weren't interested in
1: buying, right? Yeah, like the the cow's milk or was it cow's milk (laughs) he's trying to sell and. Oh yeah forgot about that.
0: Um, but his own struggle to keep and maintain maybe his trajectory and how all consuming that is and can be for service members specifically. Um, especially when the family's relying on you, you know, well, I was going to say, I
1: feel about Johnny that he actually, you see him as this trying to be calming presence and trying to be optimistic for the family and like, all right, guys, like he, he seems to be the level-headed cheerleader. And I know in our family, When we're Mm -hmm. new in a place, I feel like Ryan, and maybe it's the responsibility he feels because it's, quote, his job that brought us to all these new places, but he's definitely our family. Like, guys, let's let's go out and find us a new restaurant. Like, let's try to, like, make the best of this (laughs) and, you know, rally the team, rally the troops, the family troops. And I definitely see that in Johnny's personality. Yeah,
0: I I like Moira, too, as the the typical spouse because she was an accomplished actress. I mean, Mm -hmm. soap operas, but accomplished and well known um and like successful in and of her own right um being now thrust into a place that not only doesn't have her industry but like doesn't even really appreciate maybe had seen her show maybe had seen her work and knew of her as like this famous person um but that didn't translate into any sort of like employment or right. you know opportunities um other than just being sort of like a, a token cool thing in their town yeah. um so i think and i think found ourselves there a lot too. Like, God, we just talked about this, you know, last week about how we often have to like reinvent whole industries for ourselves Mm -hmm. and
1: like learn ways of app
0: Applying our skill set, so yeah. Well, kudos to her, man. And
1: maybe to push back just a tiny bit on your idea of whole new industries. If you think about it, though, Moira really does. She, she stays within her industry eventually, yeah. but she's finding and kind of finding the pockets. Like she goes to Jocelyn's class and tries to help with, uh, you know, a dramatic <laughs> drug drug awareness message and get the kids to act. And then the town. Uh, what, what was the play cabaret that they did? She's like coaching that and then the singing group of all the ladies that meet at the town hall and then she eventually does resurrect her career with the crows movie so it's like, like you, don't forget about the wine endorsement yes, the
0: commercial for the
1: uh, Idle Weinler wines or whatever yes. oh that was the outtakes of her saying all the different names is so funny um but to me it shows you that that is not instantaneous like for a spouse like you can't just a lot of times you can't just jump right back in. You're testing and figuring out how it's gonna look at each place. Speaking of jobs, and this I'll I'll leave this before we go on to another topic. I had texted you this a couple of weeks ago. I'm rewatching the show and um one of the early episodes, you know, everybody, they all kind of feel like they're too good to be there a little bit or like mm-hmm. what? nothing here is like what we're used to. And there's a scene in one of the early episodes where David goes into the front office and Stevie's looking at the newspaper and they're having this little interaction about David trying to find a job in town because he's like depressed. He needs to like get out and go do something. And so Stevie's looking at the classifieds and uh, talking to David and she says, hmm, let's see. Not seeing anything here in art curating or trend forecasting. That's weird," <laughs> she says sarcastically. She says, "Do you have any other skills or areas of expertise?" David says, "This is my favorite. Uh, I've been told I have really good taste." <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I've said that's literally every military spouse jo- uh, job hunting at every new duty station. Like, no matter what yeah. your skill set is, it's like you feel like you don't fit. And I'm I'm walking through yeah. that right now, totally. So. Yeah, Maybe yeah in an interview I'll I'll if they ask me for other skills I'll say I've been told I have really good taste. <laughs> Turn
0: forecasting that's a great thing to know how to do. Um yeah, he's he's so great. And I love how that actually ended up kind of pushing him to um filling holes that he found in his place at his, in his home. So, um we talk about this a good bit like leaving the place better than you found it uh-huh. and instead of Oh, God, here, especially at Fayetteville, we just have a bad rap in the military world. Um, And people like to complain. Oh, there's nothing here. It's such a boring place, blah, blah, blah. And those people are the people that haven't given it a chance, right? So I think very much like the roses, um, this place is such a dump, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, once they actually started to get invested in the community, um, be that in like Moira joining town council, Johnny and all his ventures and, and kind of wacky stuff that he helps other people out with. Um, David specifically becoming an entrepreneur and opening the apothecary, like all of these things they did not only because they thought it was needed, you know, and they wanted to kind of elevate the status of the town maybe, or the experience of living in the town. Um, But also because it was stuff that they could bring to the community. Right. So Regardless of whether they stay or not, they still left those imprints on the town and yeah. kind of created their own so that they could stop complaining.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right? Even with David, before, before the apothecary, you know, he kind of stumbles into the blouse barn and ends up kind of taking over the merchandising and the, the setup yeah. of the store. And goes to bat and even Alexis like jumps in as like the fake attorney. Like they go to bat for the store owner <laughs> and get yeah. her what she earned or what she is due financially. But then that mm-hmm. gives him kind of the seed money to go and that's be, right. be prosperous. That's so right. again, my, my big takeaway is that it takes time. Like it all takes time to see like where you fit in, whether that's with relationships, with finding your way physically around town, with finding who you are in this new place. So I just love that. Let's talk a little bit about Alexis. We haven't brought her up. Mm-hmm. What do you think her corollaries like are? That. Oh, Alexis had, I think,
0: one of the coolest sort of evolutions. Mm-hmm. Like she grew, right? Like I feel like she's the one that had the most like most improved uh character on the show because she got there and was just kind of adrift, right? Mm-hmm. She kept she had this fantasy of someone rescuing her the whole time, right? right. Like, oh, um, Ibrose or whoever was going to pick her up on his jet and like, I'm out of here. Right. Like she, I feel like she almost always had a, a go bag, like a bag packed and ready to just like yeah. go. Um, we can well,
1: talk about. And even about- the little group of her friends that were like social influencers and they came to visit. Yeah. And- I think that was a turning
0: point for her yeah, though, because I think she finally realized like, "Huh, y'all are not cool. Like this is not, I can't believe I was into this. I can't believe I hung out with you people. Like this is where I live now. I don't have an escape. I don't have the luxury of like looking down at people any longer. Um, so yeah. I'm going to figure out how to make this work. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she, <laughs> she got closer with her parents. I think for the most part, she had kind of, uh, discounted her family and not really been that, I mean, all four of them, right. They all kind of yeah. like sort of focused in on each other and became so that's what that was probably my favorite part of the show is just how close they became as a family Mm -hmm. um not even necessarily because they had to but because that's what they had that's all they had left yeah was just themselves there was no money there was no fame there was no travel you know it was just them um but she went from you know kind of airheaded and ditzy to, okay, well, I'm going to actually go back and get my GED or graduate from high school because I never did, never thought it was important. And now right. I want to learn things, you know, and do things the right way um, and be taken seriously and uh, care for people and do good things for people, which she didn't have any of that before. So,
1: yeah, I don't know. And stand on her own two feet financially.
0: Oh, wow one thing that I thought, yeah, that's a huge one. Um, one thing that I thought was cool about her too, is like, sh- she was willing, she started towards the end specifically. She's, she started to learn how to like, I- ignore that urge to leave and escape. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I, I guess I we were probably going to do this later, but I'm going to go ahead and call her an Enneagram seven. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there's this desire to like, always keep going, chasing down the next thing. But when you're, kept from doing that or prohibited from doing that for all sorts of reasons, right? could be a pandemic.
1: Um It could be financial ruin. It could be all kinds of things. Hey, it could um, be because all you have in your town is a Walmart and a Chili's and you come to the end of yourself too. and a Kato to shop and that you come to the end of yourself and realize all I have, I need at home. <laughs> This is what I got. Yeah. Um, but
0: so she had the opportunity, um, oh, it was when David and Patrick were getting married and she had a flight book to go yes. be with Ted in the Galapagos, but she ended up having to sort of like decide what's important. Like, okay, actually now, mind. the fact that she booked the flight wrong and it was, yeah. <laughs> it ended up, being um, <laughs> virtual assistant mistake number one, I will tell you is to not miss book or uh, misunderstand your time zones. But, um, yeah, she ended up staying and ended up being really happy about that. She was able to kind of accomplish all the things she wanted to and get the closure that she was looking for. Um, But she didn't have to just run off and escape. And she was so used to doing that, that I feel like it kind of anchored her a little bit. She found her roots. So,
1: yeah. Well, and like we were talking to just a little bit of her story arc within the story to your point about always kind of looking for the rescue and very much into, you know, having a a man and dating and looking Mm -hmm. for a lot of, fulfillment in that and that's not to say that that's wrong to do that but you see at the end you you know I had talked about how she kind of walked away from Ted and the relationship there and you were saying like well she you know wow like long distance that was going to be the only thing that kept you apart and Mm -hmm. and my thought to that was I think she finally learned to love herself first Mm -hmm. and like she didn't want to be held back at all and she loved Ted but I think like the cheesy thing you know, the cheesy saying goes, like, if you love something, you set it free. And I think she set herself Mm -hmm. free and she set him free. So she could really fully embrace and fully like chase and realize like her dreams.
0: So cool. Like, that's so mature. And it's true. Like, when I first saw that scene, I'm like, you're going to break up because it's too hard (laughs) to be long distance. And because really, I mean, they were talking about six months, maybe a year or something like that. Um, But she realized not only was it hard, which it is, and it was cool that they kind of gave a nod to that. Like, they set him up on the laptop for a date one night at the restaurant. (laughs) I was like, that's so sweet. Um, But she realized, like, we're always going to diverge. Like, we're always going to have goals that are not aligned. And though I love this person, that kind of care that she felt for him and love that she felt for him was gonna be very different in terms of a oh, like an actual lasting relationship.
1: Yeah. That's hard, man. Well that Shoot. is, and you and I talk a lot. Like this isn't ever anything we record. This is gossip that we talk about on phone calls, just us. But like <laughs> we know we hear all the time about especially military marriages dissolving and Generally, it's that one person has either grown tired or outgrown the current situation mm-hmm. and you see how it happens. And so to me, maybe the takeaway of Alexis and Ted's story is in my case, and you know, as a, a married person who loves her husband and wants to stay married, I don't want to let the outside influences cause me to get in a place where I feel like I'm growing away I want to grow together I want Ryan and I to dream mm-hmm. together to grow together to to you know keep working in that direction instead of allowing some of the challenges we all face to be the catalyst that put, puts a space between us So
0: oh, that's often like a really hot topic um I know in our circles because especially when you get down to talking about geographic bacheloring mm-hmm. or geo batching um there are two very kind of sturdy camps of right <laughs> or of thought like some people really like, let's just say you go in a Facebook group and say, I'm considering, you know, staying while my spouse goes on the next, you know, duty station. I don't want to go. My job is here, right. whatever the reasons. Um, and then people will like, I, I mean, there's a lot of like, There's some hate that will come your way. Like some people will be like, well, then you might as well go ahead and file for a divorce. And then there are people that are very much like the only way to stay happy in a marriage is to maintain your independence Mm -hmm. and keep pursuing your dreams. So it's a really, really hard thing to navigate, especially in a space where there's not a lot of room for two opinions and and sort of ideas. And like evaluating your own specific relationship. There is no playbook, right? You know what I mean? Like some people, that works for some people prioritize different things. Um, but I, again, with this, with Alexis, I mean, clearly they were just dating like, it, well, I guess they had been engaged and then weren't, oh, maybe not, but <laughs> they weren't actually married. Um, and I, I think that they both took the time to sort of, um, evaluate themselves, the relationship, the potential future that they had. And came to the realization that because they loved each other yeah. they would let each other go yeah so
1: yeah and I guess I, it was sweet and their ending was very definitely very bittersweet but I just always felt like it was a, more of a relationship of convenience for her than it sure. was yeah. just passion and like can't live without him. right so it, it right. resolved maybe right. as it should have um I think so yeah oh such a good
0: scene too yeah
1: God, I, know. <laughs> I know I know
0: Hey friend, quick break to tell you about a few things that we have going on for the fall season. We've been talking and we want to hang out with you. (laughs) We're going to introduce a new monthly hangout open to our lovely supporters on Patreon and we're calling it group therapy. Asterix. We are not therapists. It is not actual group therapy. We just thought it was a fun play. Uh, And we don't know about you guys, but... We need it. So once a month we're gonna host a Skype hangout. But you can join us face to face and to kick us off, we'll do an Enneagram and ask us anything. Uh parenting, maybe, we'll talk about homeschooling, pick Claire's brain on that, uh, and really just whatever you guys are into and what you're thinking about. So we're also thinking of a book club. So if those things are interesting to you, check us out. Patreon.com slash Millsbow Gurus for more. Also, we have revamped the Becoming Your Own Guru e-course. If you are a new follower of the podcast, we encourage you to check that out. It is an awesome tool and resource if you are interested in learning more about the Enneagram, but mostly more about the Enneagram as it pertains to military spouse life, challenges, triumphs, all of that. So we actually combined kind of our years of experience and pumped it all through an Enneagram filter so you can learn more about your type, what your type might look like in the different stressors and environments that we find ourselves in, and how to navigate transitions effectively. So that you can find on millspokegurus.com slash eCourse. So I went ahead and dropped Alexis's Enneagram Claire. What do you think? Um What do you think about some of the other characters? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to ask you, David. Okay. Let's talk about David. Let's talk about
1: David. Yes. So (laughs) after (laughs) us kind of debating and then using some other sites online, I am going to go six. David definitely Mm -hmm. has a six tendency. Um, Just at face value, I feel like he is very anxious and like tightly wound, which I can relate to on many levels. Um, I think Mm -hmm. he is naturally untrusting of people before he, he will love you and he will be loyal to the end. I mean, look at Stevie and Patrick, like he does not have a wide breadth of friends, but the people he has as friends, he is like all in committed, um, loyal to a fault, maybe sometimes, but it takes him a while to get there. Like the, the level of distrust at the beginning is super high. Um, yeah. I think that David is community minded like a six. I think he once he gets his yeah. apothecary off the ground, like you see. Oh, yeah, that was his phrase. Yeah. He
0: made that for the community. Yeah. Like he wanted people to gather and have finer have things. <laughs> Have alcohol, but not, it's not a bar and have coffee, but it's not a coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you know, I just want to be able to have people like convene. And, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and join Such them. a six, right? Like you want to be the, you want to create the ambiance for the people that you want yeah. to have around. So yeah, I think he's a six and I think we both could see him leaning into some seven wing at times, but also some five five wings, which is true of a lot of sixes, planted firmly in the head triad. So Mm
0: -hmm. yeah, I saw him typed often online as a four, but y'all don't fall into the trap of just because they're like kind of gothy maybe or like Mm -hmm. artistic. That's like all fours, because it's certainly not the case. Um I don't I think his drive for community is stronger than his drive to be unique or perceived as unique.
1: Let's do Johnny and then Mora and then we'll do minor characters after that.
0: Okay, so I like Johnny as a one mm-hmm. like this is the right thing to do. He's very precise he's very clean cut even yeah. like, the way he cares for things and the way he dresses so sharply and um wants everything to be working just right and how he takes such an interest in the hotel or the motel and making sure that things are right things are good like things are fixed and operating properly. It didn't have to be like you know expensive or amazing but it had to be working well right. and and performing the way that it's supposed to um you to remember his videos uh-huh. on <laughs> were they sexual harassment or something <laughs> that just jumped to mind like he wanted to make sure everybody was like doing the right thing yeah. they were very questionable but <laughs> in that day and age that was that was what was well and I think about too
1: near the end of the series when they go to pitch the rosebud motels uh business plan you know in New York City and this is literally everything that he and his family have been working for for the whole time they've been away is like getting back in good graces in like the business world and being back in a position financially and to me the fact that he is so principled is what allows him to stand up for he's not going to let them at this company, they go to the startup company or whatever. He stands up for his people that he, you know, like he stands up for what's true and what's good and what's right, which is so a one.
0: I love that. Yeah. Counter to what one might think would be a three because he was so successful previously, but yeah, I'm with you. I think one for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to go Moira. So <laughs> Moira, I, I see both. So I'm curious to hear where you think you lean. Um, I think just, she screams four, but I think she's either a four with a three wing or a three with a four wing. So I can't, the three with the four wing is called, I think it's called the entertainer. So that one kind of fits this like avant-garde, no apologies. Here I am. Flair for the dramatic. Like I always joke and say that um, I have her in my head. Like she's in my brain yeah. and like, because I'm, I am I don't put out a ton of emotion always like she's in there though screaming (laughs) you know what i mean like i have a moira like reacting to things so maybe that puts her at a four because that's closer to me but um well let me read you something that
1: i found this is on typology central and it's talking about the differences between a three wing four and a four wing three so listen to this and you see which one you think sounds like moira a three wing four is more assertive but less individualistic when making decisions, they will watch the way the wind blows, especially if the person is a social variant. However, a four-wing three is less assertive, more moody and withdrawn, but more independent and individualistic in self-expression.
0: That's a four-wing three. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think, too. Yeah. So I I just cracked a book, and it says the four-wing three is the aristocrat. Yes, um, that is so her. Right. So like the creativity, there's ambition, but the ambition isn't like a typical, like a three is just ambition for the sake of it. Right. Right. It's for an audience. Yeah.
1: And that's where I would say Moira Moira falls in her motivation. She's not motivated to get the accolade and the achievement. She's motivated by the art. She's motivated Mm. by the personal fulfillment and the individualism, I think.
0: She gave that whole spiel to the director of the Crows movie. Who was like, "This is garbage. I'm just doing this because I want a yacht, right?" You know. And she was like, "No, you need to take pride in this is your work. You have an opportunity here." Like, ah, uh, yeah, for sure. Okay, settled. Four wing
1: three. Yeah. <laughs> and let's can we just take a little side tangent, deep dive on Moira's uh-huh. style and her wigs. Oh. And I feel like you and I had had shared this a little bit. Like, that's one thing I love about her. And if we're putting this back on like a military lens or whatever she the place that moira lives does not define her she Mm. is her own person and she does not dress or style herself to fit the locale of where she's living she is who she is and she is a very flamboyant and uh aggressive dresser I think with her yeah tall aggressive. boots and that. crazy wigs mm-hmm. and makeup and heavy jewelry and um but I love her for it and I feel like she just doesn't care like she cares so much that she doesn't care like she is gonna do Moira and it's, yeah you can like it it's really leave like it It's her own
0: expression. And people even call her out on it and she doesn't even pay any notice. Like it doesn't even register. Yeah. Like why why would I dress any differently just because I'm here? (laughs) You all can
1: appreciate me. So how do the rest of us that are not fours learn to lean into that?
0: You know? Mm, I think it's an appreciation. It is um,
1: admiring the individuality of each person. Kelly, how much do you dare me or what would you give me if I put on a wig in a funky black and white outfit, bright lipstick, dark nail polish. And I say go through walk through the PX on post dressed as more. I
0: would give you my undying love and affection, but only if you Instagram
1: logged it on our story. Well, I would need to have like one of my kids come and like video like to have my phone of like all the interact or reactions I might get. I mean, half the time people probably wouldn't even care or notice or if they did, they're like very you do you, you know? Yeah. But talk about fish yeah. out of water. I mean, really. And way to
0: attract it. Like, you know, here's like own it, right? Like it's like so she's a mood. She's not just like a style. She's a whole, like, she's mood. A whole- yeah whole mood and she owns it and she gives nobody any time of day for thinking anything other than like, wow, about her, you know what I mean? like I yeah do it girl listen Saturday's Halloween though we're recording this before uh Halloween Mm -hmm. and I've thought seriously about just getting a nice little black bob wig Mm -hmm. putting on some lipstick and calling it a costume (laughs) just be like I today am Moira so
1: I may do it I have we have a whole thing of like cast off Halloween costumes I have a huge um wig collection from our Napoleon Dynamite (laughs) and yeah. My youngest, Kate, was Cleopatra a few years ago. So I have a little straight oh, okay. black hair, straight bangs, long, you know. And I have a ton of black and white. So, right. be-
0: yeah, I do too. That's so, so funny. I look in my closet. I was like, I could wear
1: anything. Yeah. and just need the wig. <laughs> so. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a few more characters, and let's just do rapid fire enneagram number. We won't go too deep into that, and then I do want us to wrap up with like a little talk about just the meaning of how the story and the show ended, and how we can what we can take away from that so i'll start with stevie what do you give stevie's enneagram number she's a five yep stevie's a five yeah. um i'll go ronnie i think ronnie is an eight she's got that challenger mm-hmm. assertive nature patrick mm-hmm. i think nine okay something yeah. i read online said he's a two that he's very much that oh. helper and i might like that more actually um just that he's so like able to kind of bring this
0: even keeledness to david like the way that he can kind of tone him down a little (laughs) talk him off the ledges that he so frequently finds himself in uh but now that you say two i might actually be persuaded okay ted ted um i like him as a two but he's a male too so those are you know it's tricky like we don't see that often um, or he's just Canadian, right? Like, <laughs> apparently those dudes are very nice, yeah, and super helpful. But yeah, I like him Good for a two.
1: Maybe okay. seven. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of nines, I'm gonna say Twyla for a nine. I yeah. think she definitely plays into that. Just, um, just sweet and kind, and doesn't seem to get ruffled up by much of anything, and is just such a calming, neutral presence. I feel like in town uh, at the. Cafe Tropical, every time you know, she's just consistent, and I love that about her. Uh, let's do two more. Let's do Roland and Jocelyn. And
0: Jocelyn, Jocelyn, <laughs> um, uh, mm. let's go. Let's see, Jocelyn, I could see, mm. I'm gonna say six. Okay. What do you think?
1: I was gonna put her also at a nine, but again, we've talked about this before, and I can't remember. Maybe it was Hamilton. And I don't mean this in a negative way, but I feel like a lot of writing, we see these characters sometimes as nines because they're not the they're not the thirty, mm-hmm. they're not the one right, they're not the four, they're not out there like demanding like the demanding character. all the attention. Yeah. So yeah. it's easy to like classify them as a nine. But I think just all we can go on is what we see of the show and how she's written. Um, But I see her in many of the same ways I see Twilight, which is very content with who she is. Um, Love all of Jocelyn's beauty trips and her hair appointments, her her hair (laughs) and her little matchy 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 jewelry sets and purses, and just she's actually one of my probably like my low key MVP of the show. Like I like her a lot. Oh, you think so?
0: she's fun she adds a flavor she definitely she tones down roland that's Mm -hmm. for sure so what would you give him
1: Uh, oh i mean i could see a three or a seven so i was thinking two okay um three or seven Um, i I guess i see his like um social climbing as the mayor of the town is like a very (laughs) you know he kind of is the man about town, knows everybody, knows everything, or thinks he knows everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, yeah, but that sitting there in between either of those two, I think could could work. Yeah, okay. That's funny. And here I am, here I am too, like trying to put all of them in the positive outlook sort of. That's triad. true. We don't um, always see them in
1: that way. I Canadian. Yeah, like everything's okay. That's our bias. That's <laughs> our watching it the is. show with our American That's bias. <laughs>
0: Our 2020 American Bias. Like, no what's doubt. What's Canada
1: looking like? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Well, um, yeah. so like I said, I have watched the show through in its entirety. And I won't say I like binged it, but I did kind of watch the majority of the show like over just the course of a few weeks or months. And immediately when I finished it, I began it again because – Like any good TV watcher, you only catch things after you watch shows like multiple times. Like I've done other of my favorite ensemble TV shows like The Office and Parks and Rec and New Girl. And so I was just eager to start it back. And man, that finale, it just made me feel a kind of way watching them realize, and that's the beauty of TV. They don't get a lot of words to like say it. They're they're showing it more than they're telling it, Mm -hmm. but you see each of the main family members have to decide what they're going to do and they're they're building up to that conflict in the last season but Johnny and Moira take off they go you know she's gonna do her thing and he's gonna do his but he's at this point he's kind of right he kind of decides to stay with her as she pursues uh, because he can do his work remotely so I love that little nod and then Alexis has separated herself from Ted she decides what specifically like she's just gonna kind of She's staying. Yeah, that's what I thought. She stays. Yeah. yeah, and she's then she's got a life there that she's going to try to build, and I just love that. Yeah, and same for David. Like, he has this opportunity. He and Josh, or not Jocelyn, um, Alexis both think that they're going to go like get this cool apartment in New York City. And mm-hmm. David, probably more than the storyline with Alexis, you see that he really finally has this realization that everything he loves is there in Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. he's devoted to, yeah. committed to, is there. And so um, that that is really awesome to me just to see that storyline play out, but that it's to me, it's only through the strength of the family bonds that have been created over the last few years or the way that this hardship has played out for their family, that they all feel confident enough to go and do their own thing.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah. I, I, I think for me, the takeaway is, is it's okay to be happy with just okay. Yeah. Like, you know like the ambition the the grass is greener sort of mentality that I think we're a little bit conditioned to believe yeah uh, based on how transient we are yeah um, it's okay to s- and settling could be just settling down, not necessarily like settling yeah right that's so awesome. I think a lot of people would see this situation of the Rose family like oh they're set no they they have found happiness and it doesn't have to be flashy and expensive yeah. and you know crazy they found so.
1: contentment. Yeah. yeah. And we, we want to talk a little bit about just the motel room that became home to them and the Rosebud Motel and how that. <laughs> I, I've said this many times on the podcast. I think a lot of times a place like that can serve as a character in the story. And to me, sure. that little dinky, low ceiling, dirty carpet. Thin bedspread, headboards up against those nasty walls, uh, two small closet, eat-in kitchen. That was home for them. And it was not anything like space or quality wise, anything they'd ever had, but they had everything they needed. I'm going to start crying if I keep talking about Uh this because I just left a place like that myself where you do have all of your preferences stripped away. And um, go ahead. You jump in.
0: (laughs) So they, I think they made it fabulous just because they inhabited it. Mm -hmm. Like they brought their greatness to that dinky little hotel and the way that they just acted like it was normal to get your coffee from the same sink you wash your wigs out in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She just like sat down and drank her coffee just like she was sitting in a Ritz lobby. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, And that made it okay. And that made it cozy. And that made it to where you were like, Oh, I would stay there. No, I wouldn't. But like, because they made it so cool, and they were so comfortable, they were just comfortable. They were like, you know what, we're pretend that it's amazing and it became amazing well and you notice they
1: did not make a lot of physical changes to their own rooms they did i would have been like where's the nearest tj maxx i can at least put a nice comforter on this bed (laughs) he did and it
0: was a write-off
1: right yeah yeah but they they didn't do a whole lot of updating or like yeah they, they didn't try to change it 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 changed them in the long run. And Aww. yeah, that was their place of safety. That's where they all came back to at the end of each day, at the end of each trial. They had some parties there. They had some awkward moments between parents in one room and the kids in the other room, um, all <laughs> while trying to figure out how to have privacy in this tiny, tiny space. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like more is coffee. Like it's no matter where you go, some rituals don't change. All right. So what's your one... If somebody, well, we've ruined it, and maybe people who haven't watched it, who want to watch it, didn't even listen when we gave our, um, you know, advisement on spoilers. But what would you say? What would you say to somebody who's like, "Oh, I haven't seen it. Like, why should I watch Schitt's Creek?" Okay. Well,
0: first of all, it's like a happy moment in your day. It's they're quick episodes. They are hilarious. They are, um, I think, on the edge of of. such a cool, like, genre, right? So it's it's comedy, it's serious, it's drama. They're big, huge topics, but they do it in such a cool way. Um, they allow, I think one of the coolest things about each interaction with the characters is that they allow for maybe a bit more space between words. Yeah. Um, to draw out, like, a facial expression. Like, look at all the memes right now. They're all David making that face. Mm-hmm. You know the face. Or Alexa's making her face or doing her little shimmy that she does because they allowed for those sort of like mannerisms and exchanges, which are human exchanges, which yes. we have on a daily basis. They didn't delete those and they didn't edit those out. And they left space for those sort of nuanced um, forms of communication, which I really appreciate. Um, and it gives you a second to digest the incredible writing um, where if these are actual people, which they're not, but they totally could be based on, you know, ideas of people um, it helps you get really close to them. And I think we need that now more than ever. Mm-hmm. I need to get back to an appreciation of that, of actual human face-to-face communication without the noise, uh, without, you know, typed letters with actual words, emotions and mannerisms that come with another person. Yeah. So that that's not a great enticement <laughs> to watch the show. It's hilarious. You'll fall in love with the characters. It's, freaking awesome but um yeah i like it for that yeah
1: i would say my answer to that is similar but it is just a good human story it's a story that is told brilliantly and creatively it keeps you engaged and that's i think why i'm enjoying going back through it a second time just catching all of the subtle things that i didn't because there's so much that's not subtle in it um oh, now yeah. i'm kind of watching it for the subtleties and um yeah it's it's good It is good. I think it's going to go in the Hall of Fame with a lot of other shows that have become just iconic staples of our day, honestly. Yeah.
0: And it was it was what we needed Mm -hmm. this year, you
1: guys. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. Let's be real. With
0: with that, we would love to wish you warmest regards. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. thanks for joining us this week on advice not given for resources and links to all the things mentioned in today's episode head over to our website at milspogurus.com that's m-i-l-s-p-o-g-u-r-u-s if you enjoyed this episode please help others find us by adding your thoughts to an itunes review and subscribing so you never miss a show If you're interested in being a next-level supporter of our endeavors, check out our Patreon page. You can pledge as little as a dollar per episode to help us out with expenses. Think of it as eavesdropping on our coffee date, but then sending over a latte. It's a thing. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given.